but what it sets out to do is to stress the inward emotional devotion, inward emotional and devotional experience of the believer in their religious faith. Um, the faith is never externalized. It's always me, my Bible, and God. It's a stress on, oh, well, did you wake up this morning and read your Bible and spend some time in prayer? Because that's really all the Christian life is. You're not going to go to work, and if your coworker brings up homosexuality, okay, you're not going to oppose him to his face, that that's completely wicked and sinful, and then preach the gospel to this person, right? As long as you got your Bible study in the morning, you're a good Christian, right? That's kind of, that's pietism. Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. And I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. This is the For the King podcast, and I'm your host, Rocky Ramsey, joined with my co-host and brother, Bryce, where we proclaim the edicts of the king over all his creation that Yahweh reigns. Our topic today is why the scope of the gospel. Our topic is why the scope of the gospel. What do we mean by that? What are we doing here next on the For the King podcast on these Sunday series? So we, we just had finished up our most recent series on um, the gospel in terms of redemption um, in terms of soteriology, the gospel has the good news of salvation to sinners as people, as individual people, um, and also corporate bodies, right? We're not, we're not totally denying the individual element and or sorry, not denying the corporate element, but we also want to stress the individual justification, which Paul does very clearly. Um, so now we're going to get into this more corporate or worldwide scope of, um, the gospel, the good news. We don't want to stop at individual salvation because, um, you know, Bryce and I, as husbands, we are a part of families and our families are a part of churches and our churches are a part of nations and the nations make up the world. So no man is an island and it doesn't make sense to think of the gospel just in terms of individual salvation because your individual salvation, those people that are saved are a part of an entire structure and framework that includes the entire world. Does that make sense, Bryce, what I'm saying here? Yeah, I mean, that's what Paul says in Timothy as well, that you are the household of God. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's there's f- familial aspects of it. It's contextualized in so many different ways that we relate with the world in terms of our uh, citizenship, our, yep. um, our family relations, church relations, all of it. Exactly. So, um, you know, th- that's getting into a little bit of why we're going to the scope now, and we didn't want to just um, – we, we do want to draw this strong distinction between soteriology and now this, this applied scope, because um, a, a big issue in modern day, modern day evangelicalism is the emphasis on soteriology. So you have a ton of reform people and Bryce and I are all too familiar with this. Um, you have, you know, we're just going to start naming names. You've got 
the J- John Piper, D.A. Carson, Ray and Dane Ortland, uh, Tim Keller. You got a lot of these Gospel Coalition, Big Eva guys, Russell Moore, J.D. Greer, and and they're just they're they're killer when it comes to teaching Calvinism. They'll give you the best exegesis, exegetical argument for Calvinism and tool up. You know, they'll, they'll just kill it on that. But um, when it comes to applying the gospel, the soteriology in light of right redemption to the world, um, they, they're awful. They're atrocious at how they apply the gospel. So Bryce and I now are actually getting into some of the nitty gritty and the, the huge gaps in our theology, especially in the reform community um, in modern day evangelicalism in the West. Anything you want to add there, Bryce? Yeah, th- I mean, this falls into the same error that the Galatians, uh, the Judaizers fell into when um, they desired, they began by the spirit, but now they're being perfected by the flesh. So in other words, it's an overemphasis of the justification by the spirit for the individual, but that same sort of justification has no bearings upon their sanctification um, for the individual or even the sanctification of that individual who's a part of families and a part of a nation and a part of the yeah. church. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's really what we're trying to, to emphasize here. Yeah. So, so a great, you, Oh, sorry. What? No. Yeah. My bad. I, I didn't finish my, my thought. Um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, and it's also about preaching the gospel of justification by faith alone to the whole man. Yeah. Right? We don't want to just preach to a person's soul. We want to preach to the person as he is, the whole yeah, man. Exactly. The whole gospel for the whole man, for all of life, and it's all for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So a great emphasis, or sorry, a, a great example of kind of what we're getting at um, would be John Piper just killing it on the doctrines of grace. But then when he's asked a question, what would you do if you know somebody broke into your home and like threatened your wife's life? He'd be like, well, my wife is already in right standing with God, you know, so I'd let her go meet her maker. Cause you know, we, we want to preach the gospel to this, this uh, intruder, right. We, we want them to be saved. So it's just a complete misunderstanding of what, you know, the duty of man is in, in a relationship of marriage of needing to protect your wife and protect your kids. Um, and what justice would call for in a situation like that, not applying your faith and, and seeing what the scriptures have to say about very practical situations. Um, you know, something like JD Greer saying what the Bible whispers about we should whisper about and downplaying the full counsel of God and not applying justification to the whole man and saying something very simple, like, um, you know, a sentence like this, this, this would be a very simple sentence to say homosexuality is an abomination to God. That's a very simple stance. The Christian should have on questions like this about how the gospel is applied. Um, especially concerning the bad news is usually how they'll lighten the load a little bit. Um, so these, uh, the whole thought system that leads these big Eva people to not apply the gospel and its scope properly would be two different ideas, two different terms. Um, one called pietism and the other called churchianity. So um, just a quick definition of pietism. That would be a, it really comes out of the 17th century with the, uh, I think the first great awakening um, John Wesley and a lot of these guys, I don't know exactly where it was formalized and what, what figure people would look to for the movement of pietism, but what it sets out to do is to stress the inward emotional devotion, inward emotional and devotional experience of the believer in their religious faith. Um, The faith is never externalized. It's always 
me, my Bible, and God. It's a stress on, oh, well, did you wake up this morning and read your Bible and spend some time in prayer? Because that's really all the Christian life is. You're not going to go to work. And if your coworker brings up homosexuality, okay, you're not going to oppose him to his face, that that's completely wicked and sinful, and then preach the gospel to this person, right? As long as you got your Bible study in the morning, you're a good Christian, right? That's kind of, that's pietism. The other um, big time issue that we're trying to attack is churchianity stressing the church, stressing ecclesiology far too much and not applying the gospel to every sphere of life. The reformers were big on this and applying the um, sacredness of the job, the civil sphere, the civil magistrate. Um, That was huge for the reformers because the Catholic church had had such a strong ecclesiology that had so much tradition and wrapped in it that was completely useless and stupid um, that they had lost sight of this whole civil sphere and also the inward piety that we're supposed to have, that pietism sought out to regain, but wasn't able to. Um, so churchianity is stressing the church. And exa- a good example of this would be John Piper's statement. Um, if you're not going, you're sending. If you're, not, if you're not going as a missionary, you're sending as a missionary. And if you're not doing that, you're, you're not a faithful Christian. You are um, not supporting the church the way you ought to. Um, so we want to have a proper ecclesiology. We don't want to give into the era of churchianity where we just care about the church. We want to have a proper ecclesiology and a proper piety and a proper application of the gospel. And that's, that's the goal of this series that Bryce and I are about to do. Um, okay. So th- those are those terms uh, defined. Bryce, did you want to hop on me, hop on that there? No, it's yeah, great definitions. Okay, good. So that's what we're setting out to do. That's, that's what we're going to, going to try to do. Um, a reminder, when we say scope, as you continue to listen to us talk about that, this is the application of the gospel to every sphere of life, all of Christ for all of life. Never once letting off the pedal of righteousness concerning the whole counsel of God and what God calls us to do as Christians applied to every single area of life and never stressing or emphasizing one part of the Christian life without the whole. All right. A great example of pietism is when a person says that, well, no, you really should, you shouldn't be talking about that. You really just need to preach the gospel. Yeah. Um, that, that's the major issue. Uh, I know Rocky's had a run in with that with a, with one of his podcast episodes prior where somebody um, at our previous church had indicated that, uh, man, we really need to sit down and talk about this episode. You can't release that because we really should be focusing on the gospel. Yeah. Um, that's what's called pietism in this, in this, uh, b- because what it's doing is it's neglecting the weightier matters of the law. And that's exactly what Jesus's woe is to the Pharisees. He says, what do you, um, you scribes and, uh, and hypocrites, um, Excuse me, let me, uh, sorry, I had this up. Yeah, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay uh, tithe of mint and uh, and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. So he's issuing a woe to these Pharisees because they have neglected the weightier matters of the law. They've said, what we have is enough. We have the foundations. We have the minimal faith. Yeah. Right. And that is enough. And this is, again, Paul's indictment um, 
in his letter to to the Hebrews in, in chapter six, he says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal life. And this we will do if God permits. So he says, let's go on. These are elementary doctrines. Let's go on to more. Yeah. Right. We can't neglect the weightier matters of the law. As soon as you do that, you're acting more like a Pharisee. Yeah. Because what you ought to be doing is expounding the whole counsel of God. And that's exactly what Paul says in Acts um, chapter 20, 28 uh, or verse 27. He says, for we did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Yep. Right. And that's what by testing, we have a renewed mind and by testing, we know the, the, the will of God, that which is good and perfect and acceptable. And the things that have been revealed as Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, they belong to us and to our children forever. Yeah. That we may keep the, keep and obey the commandments that's been given to us. Right. So we have a totalizing faith where whatever God has revealed is, is game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anything he yeah. hasn't revealed is off limits. Yeah. But what he has revealed, oh, that's game. And we better know. We better search these things out. Yeah. Yeah. There that's are the of pietism. Exactly. Yeah. The, and pietism breeds far too many men that sit on the fence rather than having conviction about what the scriptures can to teach. Um, they, get, they get so wrapped up in, oh, like, let's just stick to the gospel. Let's stick to the basics. When, when the things have been clearly revealed that aren't, like Bryce and I said, we, we were talking about things of first importance. That's what we did the whole last series about redemption. That's of first importance. Paul says that clearly. But, um, you know, we're also recognizing that uh, God has revealed to us much more than just soteriology, how he saves us. Things of first importance. He's very clearly revealed lots of other things. Um, right. So we want range. We want theological maximalism to coin um, Brian Sauvé's term, uh, or maybe he heard it from somewhere else. But I mean, you know, this is very accurate. The, the, the theologians of old, when you read um, Westminster Confession of Faith, London Baptist, uh, 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, the, the, the basics for them took, you know, 80 pages to, to, to figure out what, what are the basics of the Christian faith? Take, it takes them 80 pages to lay it out. So that's really what we're trying to get at, guys. Um, that's why it's good to be confessional. It's good to understand what the basics are, the confessional basics all throughout church history. And yes, we have the creeds. The creeds are the basics as well. Um, but just because it's basic doesn't mean it's not profound or or maybe it's not even of first importance. Maybe they're secondary issues. Like, for instance, Calvinism is, <laughs> you know, it's not that that right understanding is not going. It's not of first importance. But it is very important, and it's a hill I would be very close to dying on in terms of re- remaining the integrity of what the scriptures could teach about the character of God and his sovereignty. Um, yeah. So, good. Do you have anything to add, Bryce? We don't have to go too long on this. I think we, we kind of want to just get you guys an idea of what we mean by scope and what we're trying to fight against. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to add the last point, um, unless you have anything else after that. Well, I think that's kind of yeah. what I wanted to say. You can wrap it up here. Yeah. So um, when we're this, so this next little series that we're going on to into the scope of the gospel, it's not really an offshoot of the foundations of the gospel. It's still the foundations. We're now just building up. 
Yeah. Right? We've laid, uh, the foundation has been laid. Christ has been uh, seen as King, as Lord, as the Redeemer uh, and Ransomer of our souls, as the one who has um, condescended to, down to mankind, who has saved us from our rebellious state. And now what we're doing is this has been brought down to us. Christ has condescended to us. He has caused us to be obedient from the heart. He has redeemed us as, as new creations, as members of his church. And now what we're doing is this is this is the part where we go into the declaration of the gospel, yeah. right? When it goes into preaching the gospel, what does this mean? Well, one way that John the Baptist did it was he declared to Herod, it's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. Yeah. Right. It's as Daniel defying the government when Nebuchadnezzar told him to bow down and worship the idol. Exactly. Right. It's the Hebrew midwives who said, no, we're actually not going to kill the firstborn like Pharaoh said. Yep. Right. It, this is the building of godly Christian culture of godly Christian ideology and worldview. Yep. So that's the scope of the gospel. The gospel does something to the world. And that's exactly what Jesus said. When he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that he's commanded of us. Yep. So what's our goal? What's our mission? The nations, like Rocky said at the beginning, which has been, um, which is the uh, uh, the sum total of the world. Yeah. They're going to be discipled or they're going to be baptized and discipled. That's what's going to happen. Yep. So what does that mean? That does mean that there's going to be a Christian nation. Isaiah 60, 12, uh, Psalm 33, 12 say the same exact thing. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh. Right. So what does it mean to build a godly Christian culture? Right. What, how, how does the gospel affect these things? This is the scope of it. This is what we're going to talk about. The yeah. gospel does something. It's not just about individual justification. It bleeds out into all of life. Yep. So we need to be having this before us that the gospel has been internalized. It's we've seen how justifications by faith alone and Christ alone to God's glory alone. And now we're seeing their whole reformed faith, just like Martin Luther, just like Calvin would always preach that this is something that affects the world. Exactly. So. Amen, brother. That was well said. First Corinthians fifteen twenty five. He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That's what we're going to get into. <clears throat> um, so thanks for listening to the For the King podcast. And um, we're really excited, guys, about this next series. So we're happy you guys are with us, sticking with us. And we pray that it's edifying as you guys continue to listen. We appreciate you stick, sticking with us um, from the last series and now seeing what we're doing as we continue to build on it. And may God glorify it um, and make it useful for his kingdom. Um, if you want to interact with me at all as we go through the series, you can reach me at forthekingpodcast.com. Uh, or sorry, at gmail.com. And then I have a website for the King podcast.com. So thanks so much for listening, God. <laughs> thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs> God is listening, but thanks for listening, guys. Um, to the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria. Gloria. Yeah.